Welcome to More Than Movies. I'm Ivana. I'm Jay. Today we delve into Scarlett Johansson's shockingly large catalog of films and play with a new app. We also try to trip each other up with trivia and gossip about some high school mean girls. It's time for a top three turf war. Yes! Finally, we get to talk about some lady film. <laughs> lady film. I don't know. She's hot. It's Scarlett Johansson. She's, and talented. She is talented. She is She's talented. fine. She's fine. Okay, so. She's gorgeous. For all you listeners out there, we're talking about Scarlett Johansson because the movie Ghost in the Shell comes out on Friday. And we thought, well, what? What about all those movies that Scarlett Johansson has starred in? She's actually been in a ridiculous amount of movies. Yeah, a ridiculous amount. Like, for a person who is a top A-lister, her movie catalog compared to her age is shocking. Usually it's only people who play smaller parts. They get to be in this many movies by the time they get to the age that she is. She is just like a workaholic, I think. But her performances, for me, blend together. So we talked about how we wanted to do a Scarlett Johansson-themed top three turf war, and I suggested, well, we could choose her best performances, or we could choose the best films that she was in. And I like that one better because she has been in some fantastic films. And I'll admit that I was like, oh no, now I'm going to have to watch clips to remember her performances and everything. Exactly. But Jay thinks that... He can't pick apart her performances because they're all too similar. Yeah, her... Let's talk about uh, who Scarlett Johansson is as a character actor. She's not really a character actor. She's she not plays a character actor. Yeah, she's... Black Widow is the same as the girl from He's Just what Not That Lucy? Into You or Lucy or... Well, Lucy's different because Lucy's like a robot almost. Yeah. Like she has no compassion near the end of that movie but did you find her performance very different as lucy well okay let's let's try some similar ones okay vicky christina barcelona to we own a zoo the only thing different about her performance is her occupation well i've not i've not seen we own a zoo okay so i i cannot comment on that what i'm saying is like samuel jackson she does add to the film totally it's not that she doesn't add to the film i want more of her in a film She's just not a character actor that disappears into different characters. She is uh, she's always going to be Scarlett Johansson. And her performances come from the fact that she's able to connect emotionally within a multitude of different scenarios and act in an authentic manner given those scenarios. Yes. Yeah, that's a very good way of putting it. Those are the two different types of, so as an actor, those are the two different types of actor that you would be. You would either become a character actor where you try to transform yourself, or you would be authentically yourself and bring that realism to any role from what, who you are as a human being. Even choosing the movies that she's in, like she has not been in very many movies that have been Oscar award winning films. She herself has never been uh, nominated for an Oscar before. She has been nominated for Golden Globes, but never been nominated for an Oscar. No. Nope. Um, even like Vicky Cristina Barcelona, which may be her most celebrated film. 
I would say Lost in Translation. Or Lost in Translation, which could be your most celebrated Didn't film. that win? No. Best Picture? No. No! I thought it was a really overrated movie, but like that that's besides the point. I thought it won everything. <laughs> it didn't win. No, it did definitely did not win anything. It may have been nominated. You may be right about that. Uh, Scarlet was not nominated for it. That's fair. Um, Match Point is another one that I think is quite celebrated. I think she she does... An interesting mix looking at her sort of catalog of films of these rom-coms or big blockbusters. Like she does this interesting mix of what they call movies and films. But her films tend to be a lot smaller in scope. They're not generally the most celebrated ones. You're right. They tend to be a little bit more small and a little bit more contained. But she and is all always about working. Dialogue. She's always working. She's, I'm fairly certain, a workaholic. Yeah. Looking through her catalog, I'm like, wow, she has been working since she was like a 10. small, small child. Yeah. And yeah. has never stopped. Never stopped. So we decided to go movies, and that's a big, long, roundabout way of saying this is why we're not going by performances, but we're going with movies that featured Scarlett Johansson. Go ahead with your number three. My number three is her. My number three is her. What? It's the only movie I picked of her doing her voice acting thing that made it on my list. Me too. I agree. But in that movie, but, her voice- But she voice, carries the film. She carries- She is- She's the film. I mean, it's called her for a reason. Exactly. So Scarlett Johansson in her uh, had to be my number three. You know- I thought the film was just super interesting. It opened right. your mind to a lot of different ways of thinking about the world that we live in. And that's Spike Jones because- you either love or you hate his films. There's no in-between. Like, being John Malkovich is not for everybody. Right. You know, Spike Jones is one of these directors who makes a movie and you're either, like, grossed out by the concept of it, which I was frightened by the concept of this because I always was waiting for the other shoe to drop. And there always felt like there was some menace in dating your OS. Like, of it course. was just, there's something not right there. And her, for me, was like two hours of being uncomfortable. Which I think is how you were meant to feel watching that movie. I hope so, because I w and I will not be going back to that film, but I will never forget the experience of that film. Agreed. And and I thought that she and her voice acting really, she took it to another level in that movie. I don't know if this is the first time we see her as a voice actor. No, she's done stuff before. She's definitely done stuff before. She was she did a lot of robot chicken voices. And Fantastic. Kind of so, yeah, yeah. That's where you got to start if you're voice acting. Yeah. Um, But... Okay, so we both nailed our number three. Okay, well, I feel like easy. that's easy. What's your number two? Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Okay, did not make my list. I, I can't remember this movie. Okay, so I recall not wanting to see this movie. And I rewatched the trailer in preparation to remind myself, because it's been a while since I've seen it. I mean, it was made nine years ago. So this is an old movie. Yep. Um, and I remember Javier Bardem really elevating the film with his, like creepy threesome vibe but uh i remember scarlett johansson and penelope cruz kind of being like party going vacationers so penelope cruz is absolutely not a party going vacationer okay see i don't see you don't remember enough. i don't remember this film scarlett johansson and another actor i forget her name right now they are vacationing together they oh, meet yes. okay i got her in my mind yes yeah they meet javier bardem bardem Yep. He hits on them and he's this artist and they're at an art show and Scarlett Johansson is immediately taken by this man. Her friend, however, is not. 
He then uh, suggests that they have a threesome. So you're absolutely right about remembering that. Yep. It's I, Rebecca Hall. Rebecca That's who Hall. It is. Yes, she's lovely. And um, and so he suggests that they have a threesome. There's definitely a, a moment in the trailer where he kisses Rebecca Hall. I don't know if that threesome ever happens between um, Rebecca Hall and Scarlett Johansson and Javier Bardem. But of, what comes out of it is that Scarlett Johansson starts to have this relationship with him. And then she moves in with him. And then his ex-wife, who right. is Penelope Cruz, Penelope Cruz comes, comes in, back. and then suddenly they find themselves in this strange situation with the two women living in his house, and he's kind of now in a relationship with all three of them. That's right, and it's just super weird. It's super weird. I thought that the conversations that were incited by this film, the concept of what our standard definitions of relationships are, what's allowed, what's not allowed, what is love. Why the, are we so judgy? And that the two was all, women became friends after total, a while. So absolutely. You're right. There was a... There's a kiss between them, at uh, least in the trailer. I don't remember if it ever escalates to um, a threesome or not. And I suppose it's It's a Woody Allen movie. I'm sure, that, I'm sure it did it. Woody Allen. But you know, it's unimportant. The point of the movie is, why do we have to look at relationships only from this heteronormative stance? Maybe it's okay as long as everyone is consensual to have these strange like pairings of people. And I think that Vicky Cristina Barcelona opens our minds up to that concept. It's a good film. I just can't remember any of it. That's fair. I saw, it the, I saw it the one time ago. and I just never went back. And Woody Allen is a director that I don't normally go back to after I see his films. Like they'll affect me and I'll say that was great. Like. I loved Midnight in Paris. I don't think I've gone back to see it once. I guess I don't go back to films very often. Oh, I'm I like, know. But you know I do. But you do. So yeah. I guess there's the different stance. I'm like, I've seen it, done, moving on. Like, Okay, my number two is probably the closest ScarJo has gotten to a different character than just Scarlett Johansson. And that was uh, her in Don John, which is Joseph Gordon-Levitt's directorial debut. He plays this guy who's super addicted to porn. And he's trying to find the perfect woman who will, who will just do all the things that porn does for him. And I, I found this to be, like, I saw this when I was single. By the way, I'm going to interrupt you. I was definitely you. living alone. I'm going to interrupt you for one second and just say, that's my number one. So let's just chat about it. Well, we could have waited. No, let's do it now. <laughs> okay, so Scarlett Johansson turns out to be the one that he was, this is a perfect 10 for Don, uh, for Joseph Gordon-Levin, I, I can't remember, if, his name's John. His, John. His name is John. Yeah. And he goes through all these women, and he never gets the best sex of his life, and he's looking for basically what he gets out of porn. And he finds Scarlett Johansson, and he thinks, this is the one. Yeah, she ticks all the boxes. She's beautiful. She calls him on his shit. She doesn't sleep with him the first date. That kind of thing. I don't think that he's looking for what he gets uh, from porn in a woman, I think that he's grown up with porn and has somehow thought that that is what a woman is. Yes. He, I, I don't he, think he's seeking... He does associate the two with sex, though, because there's a whole scene in the where after he finally has sex with her where he's like, everything was amazing, but... And then he, like, the, the sound of his computer booting up again, and when Scarlett Johansson finds out that he still looks at porn sheets like you're cheating on me and like, well, which is crazy and loses her mind. But they're they're Catholic and it's a very interesting New Yorker 
Yeah, it's very New Jersey. New Jersey, that's what it is. It's not New York. It's a very New Jersey relationship where it's like, you know, you would go so far to say these Italians are like the typical, in Canada, we say Gino. I don't know if that's across the world, but yeah. they're Gino. They're like Jersey Shore it's like Jersey guys. Shore. And the movie came out when Jersey Shore was still quite big, too. Yep. Um, I, I agree. I think that this is one of the times that she really created a character that was different from herself. Really did. And did it amazingly. Yeah. I want to see more of that from her, to be honest, because for me, she was a stand-up performance in this movie. Absolutely. And she she tries to elevate him. Now, she does it all in very selfish very selfish reasons. They're both like these two-dimensional humans who are wondering why they don't feel fulfilled. But right. they don't even understand the concept of fulfillment. And and, and that's, that's the and thing. that's when Julianne Moore steps into the picture. Yeah. And I just I love that he like falls for her in a way. Like it's such an interest. But and it's they're not an really in- together. They're just together, but it no they labels. just they just like learn from each other, essentially. Yes. She opens him up and he teaches her how to get back into the game, essentially. Well, she, because they're together in the end of the film. In this world that we live in today, where we get so stuck in this concept of the potential of, like, the nine-to-five lifestyle, and then we, like, tick boxes. It's this, this world of these boxes that you have to tick, these milestones that you have to go through, this whole concept. And, like, Scarlett Johansson in this movie represents the ideal of the heteronormative goal for a guy like John, the dad and how attracted he is to her and yeah. how that is why he like John gets the approval of his father because his father's like, she's hot. That's it. Nothing That's else. It. Doesn't need to know anything. She's very lovely. That's it. That's it. But this is the, and this is the thing in this world, though, you're going to feel vacant and you're going to need porn because you don't really understand the concept of what a real connection is. You don't understand the concept of opening yourself up to these more grandiose and hard to pin he down. He also terms. doesn't actually like. I, this is going to sound a little silly, but like he doesn't make love with women. He bangs women, and that's yeah. it. Like he well, goes, he, he goes hard, porn. he goes fast, and he's done. And when he's having sex with Julianne Moore, it's like, whoa! Like, calm down. We're just, we're in this. Let's yeah. just be in this. And it's great for both of them. Yeah. So that was your number one. Number one. I freaking love this movie. So have we gone through your three? We've gone through my three. Well, what's, you don't even know my number one Yeah, yet. what's your number one? So my number one is The Prestige. Interesting. So The Prestige is my favorite Christopher Nolan movie. I mean, I love Tesla. Yeah, I know you do. I've seen and I've seen that movie twice because I feel like I, I think, don't get it. I think I've seen that movie like six times. Like I feel like I just like I, I maybe even three times because I've watched it and I've been like I don't get it. What was the point? Okay, so spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen the Prestige. Earlier in the film, his wife dies. Yeah, and he's always felt guilty that he has he he tried to up the ante on this guy, and his wife died as a as. As a result. result. So they continue their trying to one-up each other until he realizes Tesla has made this magic machine that duplicates anything that goes in there. So every night he kills himself on stage so that he can do this this trick that no one will get. An ultimate redemption, retribution. But is it? Revenge. Not revenge, but like 
he's still trying to redeem himself for his wife dying. So, so is it? It's totally up to you. That's your call. It, he ends up putting his rival in prison. So, it you know, did he get his final due or no? I mean, I think that's exactly it. Like, I got all those plot points, but at the end of the movie, I was left with, like, this feeling that there was a lot of setup, and I didn't get what I was, like, looking... I didn't feel the catharsis. So the... So I love the catharsis at the end, but that's not really the reason I love the film. I okay. love the film because the women backstab each other all the time. Like, one day, Scarlett Johansson is with Hugh Jackman as... His assistant. And then all of a sudden, no, she's with Christian Bale. Oh, my God. She's been with Christian Bale the whole time, stealing secrets from you, Jackman, so that Christian Bale can have a new act. And it's this level of rivalry between magicians. And I love the way that they set up the tricks and how everything is like setting up each trick to find out how they did it. And at the end, I don't think Hugh Jackman ever realized there were two, there, Christian Bale as a twin, and both of them are living kind of the same life. Yeah. So that they can do those tricks that Hugh Jackman was doing at the end of the film. Yeah. Like, you went to the end of the earth to beat a guy who just had a twin. And what did you do? What did you gain from it? Nothing. Like, I don't oh, know. Well, the lesson is, like, competition's great, but you can't make it obsession because Hugh Jackman made it his obsession because he still didn't know the trick. But it, I guess that's the thing is like that's what I dislike about this movie. Like all the things we're talking about right now is exactly what made me walk away from this movie being like, I don't get it. I don't get the point here. The wrong people won. Nobody learned any lessons. I just, I don't know. It seems like a lot to go through to end up in the same place that we started. But we didn't. We started at the beginning of their careers, and then we end with them being bitter rivals. And but they were bitter rivals from the beginning of their careers. Well, at the very beginning, they were like they respected each other, and then it became obsession. I don't know. I didn't. I guess to me, from a fundamental because they kept on going to each other's shows, like soul level. Like oh, I, you know, it's so nice to meet you. I'm a musician. Like at the beginning, it was just just a uh, just respect, and then it became. Obsession, but was it really changed. respect, or were they outwardly just showing? I don't. No, I think because I think at the beginning of anyone's career, give or take anything, the people you meet who are doing the job that you want to be doing, you show a, a a deal of respect for, and then over the course of your long career, maybe that person loses some of that respect. I think maybe that person doesn't become you know a good colleague. Maybe that person is now like somebody you don't like and you despise and you want to crush and. Ah. See, I think this movie is more about it's a it's a morality tale about ambition and the the lengths that we're willing to go to to strive towards something. So Michael Caine's last lines of the film are you want to be fooled like you come to be entertained. But all of this is happening behind the scenes that you don't want to see because you want to be fooled. And I th and I feel like, you know, we watched a whole film lead to this point of watching this man kill himself night after night after night after night. And he's right. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see him putting himself through that. I want the magic, which is, of course, the third part of any trick, which is called the prestige. 
See, I want the behind the scenes, and maybe that's why I see the movie differently. Well, you you get the behind the scenes, but yeah. the last line of the the film is you don't really want it to work out. You want to be fooled, and the, and it ends with them like this magical machine getting just dismantled and send it away. Like this is to get rid of it because no man should have the nobody should have this power. This is crazy. You could duplicate a human being. Like, it's nuts. I mean, that's teleportation, right? No, it's not. He, they, he, no, the, no, his no. trick is teleportation. No, I, I understand. Yeah. But, like, if you really had a teleportation machine, you essentially would have to disintegrate yourself in one plane and then create a new person that's you with all your memories in a different place. You you essentially have right. to kill you have you. to reassemble yourself. Yeah, yeah, you you essentially have to die, and then a copy of you gets p- put together somewhere, somewhere else. else. That's the concept of teleportation. Like death is implicit sure. in the concept. I mean, I've never thought of like Spock dying and then being reborn as Spock in another place. But in in a like scientifically, but sure, scientifically, that's kind scientifically of, yeah, yeah. I mean, not that it's scientifically, even but in plausible, this one, but... it's like. The duplicate is hanging up upstairs. Oh, no, I understand. This was a little bit different than teleportation, but there's a concept of it that's like teleportation where you die and... and like, right. He has to kill himself every day. I, I didn't... Yeah. It, I, it also didn't affect me when you found that out. There's also a moment in there like, where... Did, were you affected by that? Oh, yeah. I really was. You really were, I, huh? It's my number one of all these movies. So yeah, I was really affected by it. And you're the first person I've ever met who didn't like the film. So there you go. So we got to put together a list. We're already getting a little long here. Uh, so what was your number two again? Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Uh, I'm okay with that there. And then three is her, and I'll take Prestige Oh my God, this is the greatest thing I've you ever don't like it at heard. All. I don't like it at all. But I liked Vicky Cristina Barcelona, so... You know, we can make the list. I'm okay with putting her in the number two spot because you didn't, you didn't like Vicky Cristina at Barcelona didn't make your list. So let's put that okay. in number three. Okay. So Vicky, okay. Perfect. All perfect. right. So uh, you want to start us off? Number three, Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Number two, her. And the number one best movie starring Scarlett Johansson, Don John. Nice. Good list. We are at some point going to do our take two segment, which is a new segment where we're going to revisit a movie that one of us did not like. I think it's going to be the prestige for you. (laughs) And then we'll have a conversation in Film Freaks about it. I love it. Break time. Taking a break. Let me tell you a little story. Oh, God. So this weekend, um, myself, my fiance. um, Me and my partner. His... His, his his partner because I'm a dude. Ah. I'm basically like a dude. No, me and my partner were there. If, do you call him partner? Yeah, I do. You don't call him the other thing? Nope. Partner it up. <laughs> uh, and then another couple. We all went out to this restaurant in Toronto, mm-hmm. and we we hit a bar beforehand, and then we went to the restaurant. And you were at Second City before at a charity event, and and had some drinks there too. Yeah, I well, it wasn't. After that, after the charity event, oh, we met up with a couple event. of friends. Oh, and then because have we had more a couple drinks. hours to kill. Of course, had some drinks, and uh, so we showed up with a couple drinks. So we made it to this restaurant, 
And I learned some things about my like my best friend in the world, Ivana. I just want to say the rest. Hold on a second before here. Before we get too crazy, this there were certain things that the server forgot, and or service that was slow, and he made up for it by bringing us bourbon shot upon bourbon okay, shot. Okay, well, I don't want to even. Let's not condemn our server. Hey, let's he apologized start, appropriately. <laughs> yeah, let's start the night with before we got our drinks. <laughs> you. But I was already tipsy. We're already tipsy. And this is something I didn't know. And maybe it's just because she just got back from Serbia. But like Eastern European Ivana came out. <laughs> yeah. And guys, I was a victim to her nastiness. It's not nastiness. It's called truth, blunt truth. It was All blunt Eastern truth. Europeans do so it. So for a couple of years, I know you can't see my lovely face, but for a couple of years, I was rocking like this sort of goatee thing. Am I rocking that right now, Ivana? You are not. You so look good. Saturday, you look good, I just want to say. Let's open the table conversation to, what is that gross thing on your face? <laughs> what are you talking about? Do I, like, is it? This facial thing, <laughs> the the facial hair, like the goatee, and immediately, our friend Christina on the other side of the table was like, "He's had that for years. It's gross." <laughs> what? You don't normally walk around with a goatee. I have. We have recorded many days with the facial fuzz. You should know. That was only because you were drunk. <laughs> and everyone was like, okay, should we be ordering drinks? Because I feel like you're good. <laughs> yes, it was. But it was a lovely night after that. Food was fantastic. Triple service dates, was, guys. Service was interesting. Yeah, um, I have no complaints about the service because anytime he screwed up, he gave us free drinks. We had a lot of free drinks. It was brilliant. We had a lot of free drinks, but we already had had a lot of drinks on top of those free drinks. So it was... A lot of drinks. A lot of drinks. It was a messy night, but it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Guys, yeah. triple dates. Try it. It's app time. This week, we found a pretty cool new app, and we want to tell you all about it. Unfortunately for all you iOS users like me out there, we don't get a cool app like this. <laughs> Part of that is because Apple does not expose certain core aspects of it to its app developers and this is one of those things however <laughs> all you android users out there like jay <laughs> can utilize this app it's called last message it kind of takes a look at your battery inventory and when you drop under five percent two percent whatever i guess you can set it to you whatever can you set need it to. to any percentage it will send a message to whoever automatically to whoever you need saying, hey, phone's going to die or whatever you want that message. To yeah. Say. You set the battery percentage. You set the message like it's your custom written message and you set the delivery system. Is it Facebook? Is it a text message? Is it an email? Is it Twitter? Whatever. I think it's kind of cool. It is super cool. I sometimes wish that Blake had this. Because there have been times where his phone has died and my imagination immediately jumps to he's died. And depending on what he's doing that day, I concoct ways in which he died. Why don't you just wait to actually know if he's dead? I call him. The phone goes straight to answering machine. He's dead. What? Like, 
obviously if it would have rung like one time. But, he, why, but if it, like, for example, yeah. say is fo- like he is just going into the subway. Yeah. You lose service in the subway. Yeah. Instead of losing your mind, wouldn't you just check if there's a delay? Check if there's a, for two hours. There was a time actually where he was like hopping in the subway and texted me something. And I don't remember what it was that he was doing afterwards, but suddenly I needed to get a hold of him and I called him and it went from, it went straight to answering machine. And I thought he was in the subway over an hour ago. There's no reason that he would be underground for two hours or like whatever the time was. And then of course my mind goes, okay, well clearly someone pushed him onto the tracks just as the train is coming and now he's dead. Like, no, obviously. Why would you think just that? I, I've always. Maybe his phone has died. Maybe he needs last message. Exactly. Maybe he needs to get on the Android bus. <laughs> Maybe all of you listening who have decided to go with iOS need to come over to Android for this last message. Well, who would you what would you use it for? Like, w- would you send out messages to many people or just some or like, what's the deal here? I'd probably send out a message to Becky. Mm-hmm. Guaranteed, guaranteed. Um, I might pick a select few people. Maybe you. Uh, if we have been texting that day or not, or maybe I'd make the message so weird that like you just get a <laughs> message every once in a while that that would be like, you know, this is happening. No, <laughs> or something like that. So every once in a while, you just like what? Like something. I don't know. But yeah, I I think. I think I could get a lot of use out of this. I think I'm just going to hit this install button right now. Mm. Give a little little testy test. This is one day where I'm actually jealous of my Android friend over here. That's right. With his sweet goatee. Not any longer. <laughs> Welcome in. It's time for Him Possible and Her Possible Trivia. Let's meet our contestants. We're back again with another grueling trivia match for us to take a look at. I'm going to win this time. I think so. I really think that you're going to get a lot of these. I even have a multiple choice again. I think that you're going to get at least three. Okay. that's it. Okay. All right. In this segment, what we do is we each ask each other five questions in 45 seconds. You can pass, you can skip, you can move on quickly. If you get it wrong, the question will be asked again. All these things. But you only have 45 seconds to answer all of the questions as quickly as you can. Timer starts when the reading of the first question is finished. So my question to you is, do you want to ask your questions first? Or do you want to answer your questions first? I want to ask. All right. That is a good call. I'm going to win today, I think. (laughs) I think so. I think you're going to get four of these. Four. Guys, this is a big deal. I've never won one of these ever. (laughs) Ever. (laughs) This is a multiple choice question. It goes to E. Start the timer at the end of that. Thank you. Thank you for that. (laughs) That big heads up. All right, go for it. In 2007, which of the following films won Best Picture? Babel. Letters from Iwo Jima, The Departed, Little Miss Sunshine, or The Queen? The Departed. The dingo is a free-ranging dog found mainly in what country? Australia. Who wrote the novel Animal Farm? 
Orson Welles. What vitamin is produced when a person is exposed to sunlight? Vitamin D. What language do they speak in Brazil? Spanish. Who wrote Animal Farm? Oh my gosh. Or Orville or Orville? George Orville. Orwell. Yes. <laughs> uh, what language do they speak in Brazil? Brazilian. What language? Spanish. Keep going. Cuban. Keep going. What languages are there that are Argentinian? Ah! What do they speak? You got four. Portuguese. Portuguese. I never would have guessed Portuguese. <laughs> I don't associate Brazil with Portuguese. Yeah, Brazil, they speak Portuguese. I guess it was a, a Portuguese-dominated land or I something. got four. Four. Oh, my God. I feel so good. <laughs> okay, so here's the deal. I do not have any of my questions that are multiple choice. So That's I am okay. going to start the timer as soon as I say the end of the first question. Perfect. Ready? Ready. What was the name of the blue Power Ranger? Pass. What is in a macchiato? Espresso with some foam. What is the name of the candlestick in Beauty and the Beast? Lumiere. What allows sharks to sense electric pulses in the water? Sonar. Why will you never see a beaver in a tree? Because they can't climb. What was the name of the Blue Power Ranger? Will. What is what allows sharks to sense electric pulses in the water? Their skin. Why will you never see a beaver in a tree? They're in the water. They're water animals. <laughs> okay. What was the name of the Blue Power Ranger? Billy. Billy! Will was not that bad, actually. Will was close. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what is it in a macchiato? I gave it to you. Uh, espresso and, yes, steamed milk. Yeah, it's foam. It so, like, like the foam from the steamed milk, and yeah. you're supposed to put very little of it. So, I gave you that. So, you got, you got that one. Uh, what is the name of the candlestick in Beauty and the Beast? You got Lumiere. What allows sharks to sense electric pulses in the water? They're called electroreceptors. Oh, cool. Yeah, and they're in their head. Interesting. Um, why will you never see a beaver in a tree? They're too bottom heavy an animal, so they fall when they try to climb, climb. up anything. Yeah. Interesting. So they're completely body heady. If you ever see something like that looks like a beaver, it would be a groundhog. It can't climb, though, was that All right. answer. All right, two and a half points. Okay, I like that. Two and a half points to four <laughs> points. <laughs> I told you guys, today was my day. It's Film Freaks. Chatter for the film fan and all of us. All right, gang. This week we watched Heathers. We asked you to watch with us. Hope you did because I saw this movie in high school and I thought it was the coolest movie ever. I bought it, watched it a couple times, but then I put it back on the shelf and had not watched it again until just now. On the flip side, I remember seeing this movie as a kid but remembered literally nothing about it. So it was almost as if I'm watching it from the first time ever. It actually felt that way to me, too. I had forgotten a lot of this movie. I was watching things going, I don't remember it being like this. I don't remember this like this. And I got to admit, I laughed a lot more when I was in high school. 
Okay, I now see in the 80s, teen movies in the 80s were not generally laugh out loud funny. That's something that kind of came to teen movies in the 90s. And Heather's thought, I'm going to inject some dark comedy into this. And it created an entire subgenre of teen movies. Teen movies being a genre that I'm slightly obsessed with. Yeah, totally obsessed with. But this is like the black comedy part of the teen genre. We still had some in the 90s, like Jawbreaker was well, see, one. Things like Jawbreaker were movies that were actually made as an homage to Heather's. They Paying were direct sure. Heather's thing. Sure. And then, or like Jennifer's Body. Like those are those are movies that are, they all take place in high school. They got a little bit of funny behind them, but a lot of edge. A lot of edge. They're darker. They go into darker themes. This movie- Sugar and Spice. Absolutely is one of those. Yeah, it definitely is. And it probably set the tone. It definitely. Set the wave, paved the way, is what I'm trying to say. And there were some pretty awesome quotes in this movie. I pulled up a couple. Dear Diary, my teen angst bullshit now has a body count. Look, the writing is great, but when I was a teenager, I thought it was amazing. Now I'm 35 years old. I kind of feel like I'm not hip enough to love it anymore. I feel like I may have outgrown Heathers. Watching this movie... The thing that bothered me about it was how quintessentially 80s it was. So I thought this like movie. The blazers and the blazers. All the... I really, I found myself distracted by the style in some cases. And even this concept that they can cover up all these murders because uh, Veronica has a talent of changing her handwriting to look like anyone else's, which I was hard to believe because if you don't know someone really well, I mean, how do you just know how they write? Totally. Like how does she have all that in her head? And I thought the entire time I was watching this movie, because there were aspects of it, the script, certain lines in this movie were so razor sharp. And the things that the movie was talking about, super relevant to this day. But I was distracted by how 80s it was. And I thought, of anything I've ever seen, this deserves a reboot. Allow us to upgrade it to use social media for everybody's you know suicide letters sure instead of you know all handwriting all the time make certain adjustments to the overall storyline to make it just a little bit more like make sense or plausible or I whatever think they might have done something similar like that in the netflix scream series i also don't think you can get an endearing lead doing the things that christian slater did like there are flat out points where date rape could have been involved and he's trying to move on her and against her will and throwing her up like they've full on broken out she has pointed a gun at his head you do realize that he's the bad guy yes I do yeah but you do realize that people thought he was cool like he's emulated in this film what do you mean people like him no she's the anti-hero no, she's the actual hero who stops the school from getting blown up. No, no, I understand, but she's also an anti-hero because in a lot of ways she's well, she totally people. an anti-hero. Yeah, yeah, she killed people. But people thought he was so rad. Like, I don't think people look back at Heathers and go, oh man, Christian Slater was such an asshole. Like, if they have, they haven't watched it recently. I, I mean, I watched it and thought, oh man, he's such an asshole. Of course, because we saw it today. Right. I guess, I, you know what, perhaps this is that, this concept of Christian Slater being cool in this movie or not, they definitely introduce him as really cool and kind of counterculture, almost like a hipster of the 80s yep. uh, in the beginning. 
but it turns out that he's actually a suicidal maniac. He is a freaking psychotic. Freaking psychotic. And by the end of the movie, that's very, very, like, apparent. And that's okay. Like, his dad is also a freaking psychotic. And, like... Totally. All the parents in this movie are super clueless. It feels to me sometimes like a Tim Burton movie doing a high school movie. Yeah, I mean, there are elements of it that kind of remind me of Tim Burton, but I really got more of a John Waters feel. Like, I almost felt like I was watching a classic John Waters movie. The shots looked like a John Waters film. The acting kind of reminded me of John Waters. Um, He likes to use, like, certain people are brilliant and nuanced and really good, Um, like Christian Slater and uh, Winona Ryder. I, I thought that they were really good in their performances. But then other characters were really wooden in their performances. And I felt like that was actually on purpose. And I thought that perhaps this was a John Waters movie because I know he uses that sometimes for his smaller characters. He makes them a little bit strange and and not real and almost like a caricature. And so I thought that it was a John Waters movie the whole time because in the beginning... I didn't wasn't quite paying attention as the writer credit came out and a man named Daniel Waters wrote this movie. Sure. Who and he's written a lot of things and he's obviously a great writer, but so the whole movie I'm like, this is totally John Waters. I totally get it. I remember seeing that shot with that movie <laughs> about the pecker with um that child actor who was really big from the Terminator. Uh Edward Furlong. Yes. And so like I, I thought I was watching that. But a lot of the, all of that stuff, I think, detracted from the movie. I think the movie was really great. I felt like, and that's and what this is about. And they took this movie off the shelves after Columbine. People weren't allowed to buy it. Like I'm pretty sure they recalled VHS tapes when. I'm pretty sure we were DVD totally on DVDs at that point. VHS tapes. Well, it was 1997. V uh, DVDs, dude. I still had a VHS collection like a crazy person. Well, and I was only just getting into DVDs at that point. Fair, but I'm pretty sure you know. Depending on unless you like, parents felt like we have a VHS player and therefore we're not going to a different technology. A lot of the world was onto DVDs by that point. I also had over 700 VHS tapes when I was in high school. Jesus. <laughs> so, so there was that. There was like, hey, I need to get a part-time job to buy all my videos. I was saying that there was there was definitely a model after Columbine of things that people weren't allowed or or should not have watched. And Heather's was one of the things that they blamed for the Columbine shooting because he wore the long trench coat. Um, It's an uber violent film about school shooting, blowing up a school. It was one of the things on the many things of the list that. Oh, good Lord. Like these kids, the video games, the this, the this is. And Heather's was tagged as one of those things that was influential in in that happening. And a lot of that is attributed to psychotic Christian Slater. So that's exactly why I think this movie needs to be remade for audiences today. Because you don't walk away from Heather's thinking, let's blow up a school. You walk away from Heather's being like, he's really psychotic. And normal people don't blow up schools. And um and and Veronica, played by Winona Ryder, learned her lesson in that. And so I Yeah, think- but I don't think this movie I think this movie's a black comedy. So this movie really downplays the tra- any tragedy in the film. Absolutely. Like there's no tragedy. No. Really. 
As a matter of fact, they're laughing at a funeral at one point for two people that they just killed. Yeah. One of those movies that treats death like, ah, it's just a part of life, and it can be funny. Totally. Even when you're murdering people and saying it's a suicide. But I, I think in the hyper-aware uh, society we're in right now, I think that they want to do movies about these things less casually than Heather's. You know, they want the elephants. They want... Uh, there was another school shooting movie that I can't, I can't like pay it forward was even had an element of a school shooting in it. I just think that we need to stop using kid gloves with regards to subjects like this. I watched all these movies well, well below the age that it would be appropriate. And I got, I, I'm not stupid. I learned the lesson. I didn't walk away from this thinking that it's okay to shoot a school. If at any point when you're watching a movie, you get that, we should kill people, you should go to the doctor. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, let's talk about Veronica, the character played by Winona Ryder. Um, I thought she was a really interesting lead character. When the movie opens, she's a part of the Heathers, which are the Mean Girl group. They're the ones that she wants to be a part of. It's very Katie from Mean Girls kind of yep. thing. She's kind of the outside her. They let her in anyway because she's beautiful. But she's not quite a part of the team. But unlike Mean Girls, she's been a part of this group for, I assume, a year or so. And she's already... It seems a while. It seems like, I think, from, you know, grade nine when you join high school or freshman, um, she probably got absorbed into this group of Heathers plus Veronica. And they treat her like the outsider because she's the Veronica. But she's also really mean and lippy to them, which I thought was... Very interesting. I've never seen that before or after in a movie about Mean Girls. Yeah, she genuinely does not want to be a part of that group. And yet she's part of them. And she's mean to them. I mean, she gives them lip, but then she also listens to them. Like, it's this weird dichotomy. And I, I've honestly, you don't see this. And yet I loved it. I, for me, the whole point of the killing and everything like that is how when you're in high school, things are heightened. And when you can't escape your group of friends because you got to see them every single day and maybe you don't want to be with those friends, maybe this is a way of getting out. We should. Because her whole thing is that her life would be better without the Heathers. Yeah, but it's not like she sets out to murder them. Let's be clear. I mean. Oh, Christian Slater did away with the first Heather. When you're first watching the movie, like when I did, he doesn't know this will kill her. No, he, he did. He just was like, he stopped and he's like, I don't know. Let's see how this, like, let's let's kill her. Right. I thought I took it that he thought he, she would get sick but not die. Oh, no, because when he pulled it out the first time, he's like, we're not killing her. He's like, ah? Ah? Oh, right. I don't know why I yeah. gave him the benefit of the doubt. He was just so charming. D that is what too many people think of this guy. And then it's okay when he, like, kisses her on the couch. No, no, no. That's not okay. I think the whole point is... He's so charming, he dupes her, and then as it comes out, you realize, no, no, he's psychotic, and he's doing things that are not okay. Oh, yeah, and then tells her these are special German bullets that don't kill people. And yet she believes him for some reason. For some reason. Well, then he says, you want to, you to, wanted believe, to believe me. me. And yeah. she did want to believe him. Yeah, I don't know if I like this movie anymore. I really love it, but I did have issues with it as a film. Um I want to see this in a more polished uh, directorial style. I want to see a different I, cinematography I just, I with it. I can't in a million years see a studio touching this in the climate we're in today. 
Maybe. But that doesn't matter because we're talking about what we want. And I want... (laughs) I want to see this movie redone with a more modern audience. It's a little too 80s, and I want to see a little bit of a different filming style than the one that's used. I think that the closest we'll see to Heather's is like another Mean Girls. I think Mean Girls was as close as they wanted to get to Heather's without killing people. But then they they even had the like the small little bus scene with Regina George and it's like, oh, she, I didn't kill her. Like, I think that's as close as we might ever get to another Heather's. I gotta say, I, I think I like Mean Girls more than I like Heather's. I do like Mean Girls more than I like Heather's. But I think that I could. They're two different things. They're very different movies. Um, and I think that Heather's is worth watching. If you're interested in the genre in any way, you should watch Heather's. Because in a lot of ways, it set the tone and started a lot of things. And Mean Girls wouldn't exist if we didn't have Heather's. So what are we watching next week? So next week, we're going to flip over to the world of television. All right. And uh, we're going to watch a television show that I just recently discovered. It's called Sneaky Pete. It is available on Amazon Prime, and it stars Giovanni Rabisi and Brian Cranston. And guess who helped to co-create the show? Joss Whedon. Brian Cranston. Okay. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, ah, I just guess anybody. <laughs> you know what? This actually has been on my radar. It's like supposed to be one of the best. I think it was, Rotten Tomatoes said it was a number, uh, number two or one show of the entire winter season. I am hey, so in love with this show already. Don't tell me you already saw it. I've seen it. Well, that's why it's on the list. Fine. I'll watch it by myself then. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> and that's our show. Thank you so much for listening, and please tune in again next week. If you'd like to help us support the show, we'd really appreciate it. All you have to do is hop on iTunes or your podcast service and give us a quick rating, maybe a review. It really helps us grow the show. Bensound.com is our intro song source, and we encourage you to check out our show notes for more information about our music, our talented voice actors, and sound effects. Ivana and I love to hear from you, so please... When you can, reach out to us on our website, morethemovies.net. Facebook slash More the Movies Podcast. Email us at hello at morethemovies.net. Or catch us on Twitter. I'm at It's Ivana. I'm at Jester J. Thanks again for spending some time with us. We're back again next Monday with an all new episode. And until next time, friends, do more and watch more. <laughs> <laughs>